You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. It is a great podcast, I think. Sometimes, sometimes it's even better than great. And today is one of those days because I am being joined by. Here we go. <clears throat> the co-founder of Just Baseball. One of the co-hosts of Just Baseball, the Just Baseball Show. Locked on MLB. Uh, hold on, former. Locked on MLB prospects Ooh. host. There we go. I got it right. There we go. There we go. I got it right there. And then also doing a whole bunch of other things, um, including trying to rescue the stranded uh, justbaseball.com Twitter account. It is Arm and frequent guests of the pod, sir. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You're starting to nail down that intro, I think. You know, we, we, we can weed it down a little bit. We can, we can boil it down to just a couple of things. But uh, no, it's it's been uh, it's been too long. Good to be back on, man. And I'm excited to talk some Padres prospects. Yeah, no, it just feels like it's become this like running bit to just say all the 87 million baseball things, you know, at this point. Uh, but no, yeah, for sure. Everybody, you might be familiar with Just Baseball. It's a great website. I write there as well. Just as a disclosure, an arm is uh, okay. <laughs> an arm is uh, <laughs> uh look, look, look it, it's been busy times for me, but uh, stay tuned. I'm going to be writing some stuff over there, some Javier Reyes, as always. And thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen available wherever you get your podcast, including on YouTube. If you want to see what uh, what fit um, arm is rocking. Go check that out. If you want to see what my ugly butt is wearing, go check that out too. The reason Arm is on today's podcast, though, most importantly, is because of his prospect knowledge. Anyone familiar with Arm? That's probably the first thing that comes to mind other than sad tweets about the Marlins. (laughs) It's probably prospects and stuff because he's got a good eye for this stuff. And what I wanted to ask you about today is what we're going to be focusing on is kind of the remains, you know, like he <laughs> remains uh, of the Padres system, because if people haven't heard, Juan Soto is now a Padre. As a result, you kind of gave up every single major team had more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to talk about that. But before we talk about some of the, the guys that are left over, just what was your kind of thought on Juan Soto trade? What was your reaction to the amount of prospects? Have you ever seen that many amount of high level by what I've heard prospects um, being dealt in a trade? Like, what was it like? I mean, it was pretty fun, right? I was so excited <laughs> because I this is like my Super Bowl, man. Whenever you get a trade like that, I mean, I, it was so much fun to write up because we're talking about some unbelievably talented prospects here that, that were sent out. It was way too early where people are like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. This trade's a disaster, blah, 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 blah. Look what the Padres did in the playoffs, right? So, And, and it's only going to get better. I, I think this team, we, we finally get to see it next year with Tatis along with the rest of the group. And now I made my case on the Just Baseball show about why the Padres are heading in a great direction. You got to give to get. And to get a generational talent, you got to give up a lot of players here. And look, it was a lot. It was absolutely a lot. But it wasn't one of those situations where I thought, whoa, they gave up that much? It was like, oh, that sounds about right. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was almost exactly what I thought it would be. The one sticking point, and it seemed like this ended up actually being a sticking point, according to John Heyman, was James Wood. And I would have done anything I I could uh, after giving up Abrams, Hassel, and Gore to hang on to James Wood. But at the end of the day, are you going to let a guy that hasn't played above a ball 
stop you from picking up a potential Hall of Famer here uh, with years of control? Of course, the answer is no. Um, so, you know, it was one of those deals that if you want to go get somebody that's almost never available, you, you see a player mm-hmm. like this available, what, since Miguel Cabrera is probably the last time we've seen an offensive player with this much control and, and ability and youth available. You got to give to get. Look how the Miggy trade worked out for the Marlins. I mean, you never know what's going to happen here. And I'll be honest, man, I love these prospects, a lot of them. But there's questions around each of them, right? You can make you could look at Robert Hassel, who now got hurt again, didn't have a great year overall. There's some questions there, even though I really like him as a prospect. CJ Abrams, I love as a prospect, but still trying to find his feet under him. Mackenzie Gore, we know the roller coaster that that's been, even though he's heading in the right direction, kind of ended with a little bit more of that question mark. So, and James Wood is all obviously very far off. So there's still a lot to be solved on that prospect return. And with Juan Soto, you know what you got. Yeah, and it's like I know a lot of people were saying, you know, it's uh, the Padres fleeced or whatever for Soto. My thing is, if you know you're trading a guy, if that's like you're you're like, all right, we're trading Juan Soto, then my reaction to the trade was like, well, obviously I was very clear. I was I was texting yeah. you and many others, just kind of not really knowing how to react because, like you said, there's really never been a talent available like this before. But I think you bring up the Marlins, which is a great point. Um, not to root against the Nationals, although I kind of do because of what they did with Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. Um, that's kind of the the blueprint for how everybody should remember how star trades just, it's very rare, it feels like, that you get this full package back that equiv- it's, is equivalent to what you gave up. It's just so mm-hmm. rare. The, the, the Nationals did it because they genuinely were atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Corbin, Strasburg, those guys are just big albatrosses, and one of them might not even pitch again. So I get why they did it. I, I really do. And I think that if you had to make the deal, you know, you, you took a bunch of prospects that at least you got some good guys. Um, you would have liked to get, like, a, I don't know, someone who's major, like a Cronenworth, that, not that he was ever going to be available. You'd like to get a starting caliber player that you know is already good. But I think that they, they made out pretty well, all things considered. Absolutely. And I mean, and they had to take that chance. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I argued the side for the Padres, argue the side for the Nationals here. They legitimately have a horrible farm system and limited big league pieces that you could say are part of the future. So you got to roll the dice. And the other piece that they got, Harlan Susana, that's someone that the Padres wouldn't have seen in the big leagues for four years. Right. Big right hander who can run it up to 102. He could be an ace. He could also yeah. never make it to the big leagues. And, you know, I, I don't think the Padres were interested in finding that out in five years. AJ Preller is never interested in waiting five years. So <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. And here's the thing, though, is the Padres have proven that they can replenish. I mean, that's the one thing. Every time Preller trades, they seem to do a good job drafting. And we're going to talk about Jackson Merrill, who I'm going to use as another example of someone that they identified not very many people you know, whereas high on him, he was an mm-hmm. underslot pick when they got him yeah. and look at what he's turned into. If you did a redraft, he wouldn't fall out of the top 20 picks. So, you know, that's the thing with the Padres is if you have the confidence that you can reload, you do it for the nationals. They were so doomed that this gives them five potential pieces here that, you know, help them in the short term and in the long term. It was a perfect match for both sides. And, you know, ultimately the Padres were the, the one team that was willing to go over the top on the package and, I don't think that surprises any of us. No, not at all. And and look, for the Padres, I I know that he had some ups and downs. Soto did. But he also, he was was a lot streakier uh, in his short stint with the Padres than I think we're accustomed to. You know, he starts off 
gets a walk in like each like three walks in the first four games. Then all of a sudden he's atrocious. And I made the joke about, you know, Josh Bell turning into Eric Hosmer and all that stuff. Like it it, it happens. But then at the end of the season, he caught on fire. So maybe it'll be more consistent next year. But I agree. I think that also a big thing with the Nationals is I I just mentioned before that there's not any like solidified starter. Mackenzie Gore and Abrams have debuted at the major league level. Don't get me wrong. Abrams struggled a lot, but you saw defense and even a, a modicum of power. And then with Gore, I mean, I still remember. Remember, our, do you remember what it was? It was rookie of the year was going to be Gore. Joe Musgrove was going to win the Cy Young. And then Manny Machai was going to win the MVP. I'm glad that one of those three things is going to come true. But uh, it's it's just, just a reflection again on how quickly things can change, man. Absolutely. Um, but before we get into Mr. Jackson Barrel, and I, I have a lot of questions because I still remember my reaction as uh, to when this pick was made. Uh, I just didn't didn't quite uh, didn't quite get it. Before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about something very important. Perhaps there is a um, you know a, a, what what's the dude's name from Philadelphia? Is, is Dave Zembrowski? What if he he's trying to steal all of your players from you? He just he takes Brandon Marsh. He takes Noah Syndergaard. He's he's a big guy who always goes for all these big fish, right? Same thing with AJ Preller. What if you want to be safe, my friends? All right. If you want to be safe in real life, though, all right. First of all, if you want to be safe in baseball, just you know, try not trading with those guys. For some reason, it always turns out well for them. To be honest with you, but when it comes to keeping yourself safe at home, this is my worst transition yet. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, if you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up right now. Lockdown Padres listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year. And I mean, 50% off, it better be. And here's why I love it. Bottom line is I just like the feeling of security, this this peace of mind of my home. You know, as a, as a child, a young lad, I used to freak out and say that there were robbers on the roof. This is mostly to do with the fact that I watched the movie Signs and there was a scary scene in that movie that probably scarred me. Shout out to my mom letting me watch that. Um, but nonetheless, having security makes you feel safe. And what I love about Simply Safe as well, even when you're not home, they've got professional people on the monitors, you know, keeping you updated and sending you stuff if a burglary or any type of thing happens, even when you're not home, and to co- uh, contact the local authorities. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report, a third year in a row. Check that out. It's pretty sick. And now, guys, here's the fun part. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/slash-locked-on-MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year. Again, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/slash-locked-on-MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Again, reminder, everyone, thank you for making it the first listen. Lockdown Padres, your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. The, the, the magnificent, the master of finesse, the, the prospect provocateur, Mr. Arm <laughs> Layton, is, is, uh, is joining me on today's show. We got to talk about Jackson Merrill, who is yeah. the main part left over in the trade. We could also talk about Luis Campizano later. I think he's another one that was left over who... Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to, that's a whole thing. We, we've texted yeah. at least, honestly, it's probably the thing you and I have talked about the most is Luis Campizano. Um, it's, it's 
it's funny, man. You and I have been friends for like several years now, and Luis Camposano, I think, is still in the same position he has always been as, as a prospect in AAA. When is he going to get a chance? Like, I've known you for years now, and and that's been the case. It's just like, hey, man, I really like this catchy prospect. Yeah, I think if really he gets a shot, and yeah. now it's like, hey, man, I really like this catchy prospect. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the same thing. But um, Jackson Merrill. Now, one of the things as someone who doesn't know much about prospects is that I have trouble understanding the draft from a, a variety of, of aspects. And one of them was like, Merrill was this guy who, granted, this wasn't, um, you know, this is still draft stuff and think these things can change so quickly. But yeah. I remember people saying this is a guy who should be going later. And then the Padres kind of went after him and it was a shortstop prospect. And that was confusing because from my perspective, it was like, well, you also have Abrams. You know what I'm saying? And now... This is the thing. Maybe this is the thing in baseball is that it's different. This isn't like in the NBA that if you have Chris Paul and then you have the first overall pick and you take a point guard, everyone's like, what are you doing? Right? Yeah. Same thing yeah. goes for football with quarterbacks. You know, your quarterback in Miami, you don't want to draft another quarterback because it doesn't make sense. He's killing it with his super wide open receivers that I'm jealous <laughs> of, but not responding <laughs> with, with Jackson Merrill, man. I mean, just, just go ahead. Like, tell me about this guy because like you said about the Padres growing talent, kind of not out of nowhere, but they they reload. And I think people expect. So tell us about how Jackson Merrill has been doing why he's caught your eye. Yeah, so you set the stage really well because I, you have to approach, I think, teams, especially really good drafting teams, approach to the draft differently because baseball, you have that, that set pool, right? So you're looking not only at the first round, you're looking at multiple rounds and seeing how you can allocate that money and how you can maximize your upside based on that, you know, X amount of bonus pool money. And in this instance, there were two prospects that I think the, the Padres really liked. There were several, but focusing on two to, to hammer this point home that they really liked. And it was James Wood. It was Jackson Merrill. They figured, hey, it's going to be hard to sign James Wood. He's you know, once I go to college, it's going to take a lot of money. We're going to have to give him more than the slot value. And then they saw somebody like Jackson Merrill, who was probably in between their two picks in the first and second round of where he was going to get drafted. So they take him a little earlier and they sign him below the slot value. 27th overall, they sign him for 1.8 million. That's well under the slot value. They allocate that money towards James Wood, specifically focusing on Merrill here. I think they saw an opportunity. You talk about drafting by position. You throw that out the window in MLB draft because it, it, it takes so long. So many things can change by the time these guys get to the big leagues. You'll get each pick on how you can maximize value. And I think they looked at Jackson Merrill and said, we see where this guy's headed. And if we think we see something that other teams don't, we need to take advantage of that. Jackson Merrill was a bat first guy. I didn't love the pick when it happened either because mm -hmm. I didn't see the direction he was heading in. I haven't followed him for months and watched him play. He hit a growth spurt. He also hit the weight room really hard. I, I talked to him out in the Arizona Fall League about this, and his focus was, hey, I threw up some weight now. He's 6'3". Let me take advantage of that and add muscle to my frame. On top of that, he didn't lose any speed. If anything, he got faster. So he was able to just really maximize that growth spurt. That was something that the Padres were aware of. Said this, this kid always could hit. Now he's added physicality. Now he's more explosive. What's he going to look like? And I think we're starting to find out. Uh, so – Kudos to the Padres. They did their scouting. They found a late, you know, bloomer that they were able to buy low on. And again, if you did a redraft, there's no way he's there at 27 with how talented 
he is. And man, was I really impressed with not only what he could do on the field, what he could do defensively, but also even talking to him, his mentality. He, he's You forget he's 19 years old. Wow. Wow. That, that makes me very excited. And I, it's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of like people told me this same line of thinking about, you know, maximizing value when, oh gosh, now I'm blinking. It was the Robert Hassel draft. It wasn't Robert Haslov. It was it Wilcox, something Wilcox. I'm blanking on Cole Wilcox. Yeah, they they went over slot, made him one of the highest paid outside of first round guys ever. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been following him for a while, but then you end up using him in trades outside to get yourself some other players. I believe that he is in the Blake Snell trade. Yep. Which that's how I think Padres fans should view this. I'm not saying Jackson Merrill is, you know, the 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 savior at what's a position they struggle with first base somehow. Right. Like, like that he's just going to transition over there or that he's there when Cronenworth is potentially a free agent and whatnot, whatnot. It's more just the fact that they have a, a stock up guy, I think is really, really big uh, because yeah. they, you know, this was supposed to be a, a, a trade that absolutely destroys your farm system. And at least they've got some, some things in there. And it's kind of remarkable considering that there are other teams out there in baseball that I've seen where, they're they didn't make any trade for some superstar yet the Padres still look like they're in a much better position like the the White Sox come to mind for me um where it's just like ah, do, 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 how much do we have there what could they do maybe a little bit of Red Sox as well um yeah man it's it's really exciting what about him do you have like a player comp do you think for what you're thinking of or it's, is it, it too it's, early to say it's funny. It's a little bit of being early, but when I look at Merrill and his well-rounded game, I think of Bryson Stott with more upside. If you're mm-hmm. if you're hoping for the best case scenario, think Bryson Stott with more explosion. Um, you know, I think Merrill is further along as a defender than than Stott was. Of course, Stott was a college guy as well, so it's a little difficult to compare. But in terms of Stott, was a great bat to ball guy and the power continued to develop. Merrill has more upside, but I think you can see across the board above average hit tool. Uh, I think he's going to grow into plus power, but above average present power. I think he's going to be an above average defender, above average speed. All of those things kind of combine together here to get a really well-rounded prospect. And I I can't emphasize enough, like Merrill is just scraping the surface. I really think, and this is not because I'm on the Padres show and he's the one, you know, quote unquote position player prospect left. Even if they tr- didn't trade all of those guys, I'd be having a conversation with you of where Merrill stacks up with some of these other dudes. I wouldn't be surprised by midseason next year if Jackson Merrill passes Robert Hassel in terms of prospect rankings. We'll have to see how he does at the high A, double A level. Unfortunately, a wrist injury cut him short in low A this year. Uh, but even just seeing what he was doing out in the fall league, his swing is so advanced. He's already starting to develop into that power. He told me that he's interested in you know, strengthening his lower half so he can continue to be more explosive, which is really impressive. And then the glove, I had no idea what to expect. Watched him take you know ground balls in practice, then watched him in game. He's going to stick at shortstop. So you have a left-handed bat with potentially plus power and above average tools across the board. I mean, that's going to be a really good player if he continues on the trajectory that he's on. And he's mature beyond his years. So cool. You're just like, oh, I got to talk to him you know yeah. got to watch him take grounders it's so cool uh but yeah it's especially when you know i think that that's what's so fun is like if jackson merrill becomes this great player you're like well i talked to him when he was 19 yeah it's just that's it's it takes a while for baseball much like everything in the sport but it's what makes it cooler really fun yeah like yeah. there's something really even i'm starting to appreciate just like even if it's not on my team 
I'm just like, oh crap, yeah, I remember that guy. Like he's 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 coming on. That's really cool. And I also appreciate that you use Bryson Stott as an example because you know he made some waves in the playoffs, which is really cool. Um, especially uh, regular season at the end, he did as well. And that's nothing to sneeze at. I know that if you're, you know, a regular fan, you're saying, oh no, like that's not that's not a star or that's not your next Trey Turner or whatever, like CJ Abrams is getting comps to. But for me, I just look at that and I, I get really excited and I say, Hey man, um, I also, and I did say, it. I did say more upside. I'd say yeah, higher say ceiling. More upside. Higher that's, true, ceiling. That's true. Um, but I, I appreciate always when people do player comps, I put you on the spot there a little bit. So apologies for that. But it was like, I love when you're watching like these draft shows and then they're just like, yeah, like he shoots well, Steph Curry. You know, no. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> he's a left-handed basketball player. He's Manu Ginobili. Yeah, uh, like yeah. right. And Europe player. He's and he also likes to play off the bench, Ginobili. And for yeah. for football, it's like um, throws really deep. Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. seeing. I try that. to avoid. I try to avoid the sweeping generalizations, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's definitely one of those things too, where sometimes it, the guys are unique, and I think Merrill at this stage, it is a little hard to compare him because he, he's still molding. You know, I think he's still molding exactly what his game's going to be. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he taps into plus power. Then we're looking at a bit of a different profile, left-handed hitting shortstop with plus power. I mean, that's a whole nother story. Uh, one other guy I wanted to shout out real quick when from my time in the fall league was Tirso Ornelas, uh, another prospect that mm-hmm. under the radar, but has just continued to blossom and he hits the crap out of the ball like he's got big power he's just trying to figure out how to consistently tap into it you look at the the power output and you'd be surprised because he's only hit around seven eight home runs each season but when you look at the exit velos they're way up there so that's something that i'm waiting to see ornelas lift the ball more consistently get just get better at that 50 percent ground ball rate's not great but the bat to ball skills have continued to get better his contact rates are phenomenal now just tapping into that power by lifting the ball a bit more frequently, he could be in really good shape. I think this is above an above average big leaguer if he continues on his track, reach AAA as a 22-year-old. It's a question of how much power he taps into, but I think he's got a chance to tap into a good amount of power. Ornelas is somebody that I think should be considered as a top five or six prospect in this Padre system, even though he's not by most publications. And I feel like I've heard this name before too. I feel like you might have talked to me about this one. Like I think I have mentioned him to you. I think you have before, along with Uribel, uh, Uribel Angeles was another one that I remember. Who got traded? Yeah, yes, got traded. Yeah, like that's how far back this was and how much things can change. Um, but now, before we kind of close this out, because for old times' sake, I mean, we got to talk about Luis Capizano really quickly because <laughs> he is. It's so like time really is a flat circle. And, and the reason I say that is one, because Campy's honest prospects seemingly haven't changed whatsoever, despite the many years I've known you and that you've talked about him. And also because the Padres just got out of fairly recently a catcher's, you know, competition. You know, they say that for quarterback all the time, quarterback controversy, carousel, whatever you want to call it, like what's yeah. going on with the, the Patriots right now. Right. But with the, the Padres, it was Austin Hedges or Francisco Mejia. And now it's it's okay. We got rid of Hedges. We got rid of Mejia. Sent him to Tampa Bay. We sent Hedges to Cleveland and all this stuff. And now, yet again, seemingly the Padres have another issue, and that is the issue of Luis Campizano. And what I mean by issue is, you know, he just doesn't get a lot of at bats, and it's always been odd to me. Give me your quick take on how the Padres have handled him. You've talked ad nauseum about what you think his upside is as a player, but just. 
from afar, uh, even as a Marlins guy, like what is, do you know what's going on exactly? Yeah, man, honestly, like it's, it's tough. Cause I can't, I can't speak to, you know, what goes on, what goes on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know what, what issues there might be there. Uh, because when you look at what he's done offensively, I know he's in a hitter friendly league uh, in triple a, but even with that, I love that the last two seasons in AAA, if you combine his last two years in AAA, it's 81 games and 81 games. So you get a perfect 162. And across that 162, he's hit 29 home runs. He's driven in 105. He's slashed 296, 364, 5'11", with a 19% strikeout rate. So we're talking about an incredible stat line here in a 162-game sample. It's perfect. He doesn't strike out much. I don't really think there's many questions with the bat. The, the only issue with the bat is that we haven't seen him get consistent at bats at the big league level, right? 50 plate appearances last year in the bigs, 38 uh, the year before that. If he gets consistent plate appearances, I think the bat's going to continue to develop and he's going to be an above average big league bat with, with good power and, and a good feel to hit. He was experimenting and tinkering a little bit with his loading mechanism, quieted things down. And I think that was helping him see the ball a bit better at, at the highest level. If he gets consistent at bats, I really do think he's going to be a, a good hitter. I don't know what the deal is with the glove. I think tools-wise, he's got a chance to be at least an average catcher. But there seems to be issues with how he's calling games. Pitchers don't seem to love working with him all the time. You know, I know he, he there's been questions about his effort consistently behind the dish. And, of course, that's not going to fly with veteran pitchers. So mm-hmm. that's the big challenge here is, is he going to give you what you need behind the dish? The bat, I, I think he could be an above-average bat at the big league level next year and continue to grow off of that. But what are you getting behind the dish? And that's something that could be fluid, though. He's got the tools. If they work with him, he could blossom. He just turned 24 years old. I'd like to just see him consistently get a chance. But again, I can't speak to what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, that's a big thing. And that's my best guess. The only other guess that I'm going to posit to you as, as a baseball idiot myself, let me ask someone who's smart about this. My only thing that I could come up with is is kind of on top of what you just said already about calling games and stuff. And my thing was maybe the Padres, their perspective is Austin Nola worked out all off season with you Darvish and Blake Snell, and they're just used to him. And considering that the pitchers are the strength of this Padres team, they figured that halfway, you know, with only like a few, like a month or so left, doesn't really make sense. Maybe we don't want to throw that off. That's my yeah. best guess. Look at the Astros. Look at the Astros, right? I mean, they, they rolled with Martin Maldonado and it worked. And if you look at the Padres, I mean, they're a very, very good offensive team. You can give up a little bit on, on the catches. I know they weren't the offensive team they should have been, but on paper, it's a very talented offense that you know should have been able to produce regardless. Uh, you know, I, and I think you look at at that situation. I think that played a big factor into it. What's interesting is is Camposano limited the running game really well uh, at the minor league level, which makes it even more confusing. He threw out 36% of attempted base stealers last year, which is a really solid clip. So I, I know right now he's, he's, I believe playing in the Dominican winter league, getting more reps behind the dish. I assume they're watching, you know, and, and seeing yeah. how he's working down there and continuing to grind. And I think it's a big sign to see that because Camposano just played a full season plus a handful more games at the big league level. And he's out there in the Dominican winter league trying to get more reps and trying to get more action behind the dish. And he's swung it well through six games there already in a place where it's really hard to hit. It's not a hitter friendly environment. And he's already putting up good numbers through his first six games. So 
I, I'm still going to, I'm going to give it one more year. I'm going to die on this hill. And I'm going to say <laughs> Camposano is going to mature enough behind the dish to be an everyday catcher. And I just hope the Padres give him the chance to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that fundamentally 0.2 F4 from Austin Nola, if we want to do the, the cliff notes of this, I have a hard time believing that you shouldn't at least try out your, your prospect catcher, especially in a farm system that doesn't have much as it used to. I have a hard time understanding how you wouldn't at least try. It's also and, interesting that he ha- didn't get dealt, right? I mean, I know yeah. other teams would have interest in him. I, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell, I can promise you that a big league ready catching prospect, even with the question marks, even if there is, you know, some other concerns that have been made public, let's say, I, which weren't, but like, even if there were some rumblings, oh, he doesn't work well with pitchers, this mm-hmm. or that, whatever we could speculate, a team's still taking a shot. And mm-hmm. you look at the, some of the trades that they made. He wasn't one of the guys that went. He could have very easily went in that Josh Hader deal, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know if it was the Brewers not wanting him. That's that's one side of it. But I just think I think it's interesting yeah. that he's one of the guys that's outlasted mm-hmm. all of these deals. Yeah. Yet he's hasn't gotten one. a fair shot. He's like in the purgatory right now. Yeah, he's, he's stuck. He's the only one they won't trade, but then they won't play him either. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And, and I think that just as a Padres person, I do fear the veteran pitchers and whatnot saying that they don't like catching for a person. I want to see if like after a, an off season, right. They didn't want to do it middle season. I get it. But now off season, have him work out with Snell, have him work out with Darvish and, and Musgrove who reportedly was also like behind the scenes saying like, let's, let's figure this out and whatnot, which is great. Love to hear that from Musgrove. And my thing is, I don't want this to go. Cause I remember once upon a time guys were saying, I don't like catching for this guy. It's this young prospect for the Padres, young guy. And it's like, oh, they end up trading him. And who was that prospect? I believe it was Yasmani Grandal, who turned <laughs> out to be pretty solid. So that is the PTSD that I have. And I do not want it to come true that the Padres trade this guy because veteran pitchers don't want to work with him and vice versa. And then all of a sudden he becomes the uh, Sean Murphy Jr. or something yeah. like that, right? Like that that would be really, really scary uh, and, if you're a Padres fan. And the last thing I'll say is you make a really important note, right? Instead of let's figure it out on the fly while we try to squeeze into the playoffs, let's work together through the off season. Let's work in spring training. Let's get comfortable. Even through the first couple months of the season, much lower stakes. It's a marathon. Let's work through things together and get to where we need to go. I think it's a lot less pressure uh, and you'll get more patience. I think from these veteran arms as well, because you know, if, if it's an investment to the full season, They'll work with these guys. They'll work with a youngster. But if you're trying to make the playoffs down the stretch, your patience is a little thinner in regards to working with a prospect rookie catcher. Absolutely. That is well said, sir. And as always, it's always well said from you. And it's always fun talking on this podcast about prospect stuff, something that I quite frankly did not care about whatsoever many years ago. By many years, I mean three. Feels like many, though, because we're in purgatory ourselves these days, to be honest with you. Um, But of course, man. Loved having you on. Do you have any last things you would like to plug for the good folks? Uh, just keep up at JustBaseball.com. Uh, we just put out our top 20 free agents today with predictions. We've got player profiles on every single free agent offseason outlooks for every team, which you wrote the Padres offseason outlook. So encourage people to check that out. Did a great job on that. And, you know, we really want to lead the charge on the coverage of the offseason, even the Rule 5 draft. I'm going to be tackling that as well. So, we want to be your home for off-season coverage at JustBaseball.com. Check out the Just Baseball show as well. And if you like the prospect analysis and my prospect podcast, the call-up that I am always doing as well, uh, we just did that interview that you can check out 
with Jackson Merrill a couple episodes ago. So go check that out and you can listen to that. Absolutely. In terms of myself, I will be writing for Just Baseball soon. My favorite moments of the playoffs. That's yeah. coming up soon. Going to talk about that on this show as well. But you can catch it written first in my interesting writing style over at JustBaseball.com. Also going to be doing an episode on Manny Machado. Probably, hold on, Thursday. Because uh, he was nominated for MVP. And I think that um, we need to we need to discuss that. And discuss the frauds that uh, don't want to vote for him. Uh, that, that I believe is worthy of discussion. And many other things I can confirm are happening at Just Baseball that we can't talk about and whatnot. But it's very exciting. The offseason, whether it's Locked On Padres or Just Baseball, it, it, it doesn't stop. I mean, it gets slightly, you know, lighter, obviously. But it doesn't stop, my friends. So without further ado, everybody, that about does it for today's edition of the Locked On Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and Aram on Twitter at ArmLayton8. You can go check him out there for all your baseball stuff, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. I thought you were going to say something there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, and, of course, stay faithful, my friar faithful. Come on, come on, come on.